All right. Can everyone hear me? Oh, I'm scaring myself. Uh, good afternoon, everyone. Um, welcome to the Extreme Resume uh, Workshop, Constructing a Stellar, a stellar uh, Resume. My name is Donna Aaron, and I'm a Senior Program Manager with Micron Technology. And I have the, the pleasure and privilege of moderating today's conversation. I see many of you from the, la from the last session, so good to continue the conversation. And for the ones that are joining us for the first time, welcome. And so today, we have some very ex esteemed uh, panelists to really uh, elevate the conversation on how to prepare for a stellar resume. So we'll go through some introductions. We'll have a moderated conversations where I will ask them some questions. And then, of course, we would love to have some participations from our audience. So without further ado, um, I want to introduce Mr. Edward Error, who is the Senior Executive Engineering and Technical Management, U.S. Air Force. Uh, good afternoon. Uh, I'm Wayne Ayer out of the Air Force Sustainment Center. Um, the, the Air Force's uh, aircraft and capabilities are powered by scientists and engineers. Um, and that technology is foundationally backed up by a very large S&E workforce. We have about 17,000 scientists and engineers across the Air Force. Of those, about 16,300 are civilians. And I've served the Air Force as a civilian for the past 38 years. So I'm excited to have this conversation. It'll be focused on, you know, federal service and what a resume should look like uh, applying for an Air Force or other DOD type job. Awesome. Thank you, Ed. Welcome. Uh, next, we have Ms. Tina Terrell, Senior Executive National Recruitment for the U.S. Forest Service. Good afternoon. Can you hear me? Yes. Um, so um, let's see. I'm going to start with a little bit about me, as well as about the Forest Service, the agency I work for, but also really ending about you. So um, I am a senior executive for the Forest Service. Many of you sitting here will probably say, what's the Forest Service? <laughs> I've been with the Forest Service for 40 years. Um, as I was telling Edward, uh, I was born and raised in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. I'm going to say right now, yes, go Eagles, okay. <laughs> i put that out there. We'll get right? to that. Three days, yeah, three days left, okay. Um, and the reason I bring that up, everyone, is because, as you see, I'm an African-American. I'm really, I'm six nationalities. I'm part of two tribes. I am an urban person, as I said, born and raised in Philadelphia, female. And I have a forestry degree. Yeah, that doesn't go together, does it? <laughs> so the reason I am a, a recruiter for the Forest Service, uh, I have worked all over the country. And the beautiful part about the Forest Service is we take care of your land, literally, your land. And there's nothing more beneficial, I would say, as a mission, except for probably the military, which take care of us as people. There's opportunity for you in the Forest Service, wherever you are, wherever you live, and wherever you want to go. And I say that because it is your land that is entrusted in our care. But the biggest area that I love about the Forest Service, if you go on the Forest Service website, is caring for the land and serving people. And when I joined the Forest Service, I was big on caring for the land. I'm a forester, I have a forestry degree. 
But over 30 years, I have realized it's not the land necessarily, because the land can take care of itself. It's the people. And it's what people want to do on the land, what people don't think about doing on the land, as well as the land that is here for all of us sitting in this room today and all of those who will be coming for perpetuity. That is the mission of the Forest Service, literally. So the last thing I want to end with is I'm here to talk about how you can be part of this great agency and the mission that will outlive all of us combined. Why? Because we need the land, not only from the enjoyment as well as the natural resources, but also from the water. 60% of the drinking water west of the Rockies comes from national forests. So there's an opportunity for you because we hire from A to Z. Most people think about the Forest Service, which is firefighters, which is a big part of what we do. But it's also taking care of the land and, oh, yeah, the big critters and little critters that are out there because we want them to survive and also nourish on this beautiful landscape. So there's opportunities for you and how you write your resume for what you want to do with your national force. Thanks. Awesome. Thank you so much, Tina. And last but not least, uh, we have George Ramsey, who is the Senior Program uh, Manager for Veteran Outreach and Diversity Recruitment for Micron Technology. All right. Well, hey, um, good afternoon. and. Um, Go Chiefs. <laughs> okay. All right. We'll try and keep that boundary there. Um, so I'm originally from Kansas City, Missouri. Um, so I am a homer uh, when it comes to um, the Chiefs in football. Uh, but um, now I currently work at Micron Technology. Um, as Donna said, I'm the Senior Program Manager for Veteran Outreach and Diversity Recruiting. Uh, prior to that, um, I uh, worked for a large defense company uh, before transitioning to uh, Micron late last fall. Uh, and then prior to that, I spent um, 30 years serving in the Army. And so I retired from the Army in September of 2016. And so um, you could easily say that uh, I'm now working in my dream job uh, because no, no way they should have given me an opportunity to help uh, veterans uh, and um, those who are, um, who are underrepresented from many groups um, to have opportunities to be employed. Uh, and so um, my team, um, the uh, diversity recruiting team, is primarily engaged in working with our MSIs, the minority-serving institutions, um, his Hispanic-serving institutions, as well as our minor minority-serving organizations, looking for um, talent um, to fill uh, many of our uh, roles at uh, Micron. We currently employ 10 to 11,000 employees here in the United States. And many of those are based in our Boise, Idaho, or Manassas, uh, Virginia, um, here in the Washington, D.C. area. Uh, and so every day, um, our teams are certainly engaging um, college students for internships, um, new career graduates, uh, but more importantly, too, um, the work that we'll be doing to be able to support our veterans who are looking for employment after they um, come out of service, whether they're retired or short-term. Um, so happy to be here. Um, and Definitely happy to share some uh, of um, the tips that we're going to be sharing uh, with you about how to, to really build resumes that pop um, and will help you um, to get in the door. Awesome. Let's give our panelists a round of applause. So let's get straight to it. Uh, and this question is for um, all of our panelists. What do you consider the most important aspect for writing a resume, a stellar resume? We'll start with you, George. 
So um, I, um, I like to focus on the three Fs, and that's function, uh, format, uh, and effectiveness. And I know if you're, if you're thinking, if you caught that, you're probably wondering, well, well that's an E, but, but <laughs> no, uh, but effectiveness. And what I mean by that is, you know, are you, make, are you building a resume that will fit within the space um, the, for the career or the area that you're looking for that is truly functional for those folks who are going to be reviewing your, your resume um, and allows you to be able to showcase your talents and your skills? Um, when we talk about formatting, um, I, I often um, share with people that, you know, um, when you're looking at a resume and when recruiters are looking at your resume, there are certain things that they're looking for. They don't have a lot. They, they're not going to devote as much time as you certainly would think they're going to devote to it. And so um, have you put the bottom line up front? You know, what are the skills that are required based on the job description? And can um, someone reviewing that resume uh, be able to go and look at it and see that you have the skills that are necessary to be able to get you through the first part uh, of the interview process. And then the last thing is effectiveness. You know, um, uh, there was a lot of discussion in the earlier session where, um, where folks were talking about you know, the length of resumes that we're talking about, um, you know, whether or not to put GPAs on resumes, uh, and a lot of those things. You know, how effective your resume is um, in showcasing who you are is what, going, is what is going to get you the opportunity that you need. And so to truly be effective in doing that, um, think of your resume um, sort of as a book, and it's telling your story uh, in, um, in one to no more than two pages. Um, and you want to be able to, to have folks to be able to open up the front of the book and make it all the way back um, to the final pages. And so to truly be effective, um, your, your resume should fit within one of those three categories. Awesome, thank you so much, George. Tina? So I'm gonna continue with that, uh, but I actually use the acronym FEW. Hmm. Form, equity, and I'll get to what equity means, and writing. So you hear about companies, and we, we thought when we had our panel when we were talking last week that we, we covered three areas, companies, um, um, military, and uh, federal government. There's one other that's nonprofits or, or private sector, um, but those are the big ones. So um, four, as you heard, one to two page resume. The federal government is still in the place everyone, if you ever heard of the SF-171, um, I, I tell people, and I'll talk a lot more about uh, USA Jobs, because uh, that is a system that people walk into and say, what is that? The federal government, we are bureaucracy, I will say that. And so one or two page resume will work, but also a 10 page resume will do fine for me. And the reason I say that, I want to know about you. And you could be very succinct in one or two pages, but I read the 10, 12, 15, 20 page resume, because I don't hire you for the job you're applying for, I hire you for that next job. I literally, when I started with the Forest Service, my, one of my first mentors, my mother's my first, basically said to me as a GS5, which was making $23,000 a year, I see you in a senior executive service two months after I graduated. That's why I put few, because the form is one, but it's the efficiency or the inquisi inquisition that you have to put your best foot forward. 
The writing is key. Because you'll get a manager that wants one or two pages, you also get a manager like me that wants 12. So that's flexibility and how you put your best foot forward. There's another group of phrases I'll put out there, I will do a number of them. One is called success factors beyond performance. You'll get people that say, put your, you know, what you've done, what you've learned, that's your experience. What you've done in the community, that's your volunteerism, or if you got paid. I like to say, what are your other success factors that you don't think about, but I look for? And the reason I look for it is because I want more than just you got a degree in forestry, you got a degree in business. I want more of someone to not just basically say, I learned this aspect. What are your other success factors that you may think is not important to me, but it is? You volunteer at a community center. You work with young kids on Saturday and Sunday. Don't get paid, but you do it. Why? Because you care about them. You help somebody write a document or a report. You went and attended a church service to help people learn about God. What does that say? That says about you that you're more than just what you put on paper. That's why I say success factors beyond performance. What you think is performance will actually be motivation to be that leader that I want to come and lead others. Awesome. Thank you so much, Tina. Edward? Yeah, I, I will uh, add on to what both of them said. Um, you know, when applying for, I'll say, Department of Defense jobs, we tend to be forced to be a bit more rigid. I wish we could take 10-page <laughs> resumes and, and draw that kind of information out. Um, but it's, it's really a, a two-step screening process. The first step is screened by our HR folks against OPM standards, Office of Personnel Management Standards. So when we advertise a job for the federal government, they, they will talk about what job series this uh, particular position is associated with. And you can go back onto the OPM website and download the qualification standards for that position. And it'll talk about what kind of degree you have to have, what kind of certifications, credentials, et cetera, uh, and really focus on skills and expertise that are expected. Now, those expectations are backed up by ABET accreditation, right? Mm -hmm. Different programs in, in the colleges and universities. Uh, that applies to what we call positive degree uh, uh, positions. And then the non-positive degree positions, which tend to be in the IT realm and such, you'll see a list of certifications. So whether it's CISSP or different cyber types of uh, credentials. I, I draw all that out because I, I tell folks, you know, that the standard is two to three pages. Go ahead and write a five page as your primary resume and then it becomes a know your audience. Tailor the resume to the particular position you're applying for. So pull out that OPM standard for the job series mm -hmm. and look at every criteria. And your resume better touch every single one of those criteria or the HR folks are not gonna hand that resume to the hiring authority, the scientist, engineer, program manager, to do further assessment and, and review. 
you know, again, draw out your qualifications, the tech quals, uh, and then uh, touch on a bit more about yourself. So leadership skills, both inside and outside of school, uh, volunteerism that's already been touched on. Uh, realize that the HR folks also aren't necessarily going to be experts in your career field. Um, I, I can think back six months ago, I had a uh, computer scientist that was applying for a position at Robbins Air Force Base, had a undergraduate and a master's in physics from Georgia Tech with a 4.0. And HR said the individual wasn't qualified. You know, they had a minor in computer science. And I, I said, what are you talking about? They said, well, the, the, we looked at the, the curriculum and you know, they, they don't have statistics. And I said, they've got three 400 level courses in astrodynamics, astrophysics, I mean, some of the highest levels of mathematics and well beyond a basic statistics course. So, so I say all that to say when you're looking at those minimum qual standards, make sure that you point out where you took those mathematics, where you took the specific physical science, et cetera, if, if it's called out. Uh, that way you don't get screened uh, out of competition from, from the get-go. So those are the types of things that I look for if you're if you've interned previously with the federal government and your security clearance has already been started, man, that's a big boon as well um, because it, it allows the hiring manager to bring you on board that much faster. So, great. No. So, just a couple of things on, on again, it's a beautiful part about the discussion. Um, what Edward's, Edward's bringing up are the systems. Totally understand whether you're going federal government, military, yeah. company. Know what you're walking into. Right. Extremely beneficial. Second, what he just said regarding um, qualifications is true. Mm -hmm. So know what you're applying to. So you look for a job on USA Jobs, then go into OPM that says this is what the series and what the duties are. Because if you don't address that, HR will not move that resume to me. I want to also say, if when you apply to a position and it is USA Jobs, if, if HR comes back and says you're not qualified, do you know you have a right to object yeah. and take it to the next level for a higher level review? Many people don't do that. I'm like, why don't you do that? Because what he just says, I've had people do that too, that they did not have the statistics. Yes, we have to take statistics in forestry that if you don't say you took those classes, that HR person is reviewing your um, resume and your qualifications, they will say, no, you're not qualified. You can then request a second level review. And you should request a second level review because that person may have missed that class. I wouldn't have looked at that particular class. Okay, so, so make sure when you apply that, if it comes back, HR says you're not qualified, really you're not eligible. Say, I would like a second level review of that, which means the supervisor of that person reviews your package. Yeah, yes, and, and I didn't mean to cut you off, to, okay. uh, uh, but uh, you know, I was going to say, you know, uh, as it relates to um, specific skills and qualifiers um, for roles, that's one of the one of the reasons why you really need to research the role. We heard that in the earlier session. session. And the reason for that is not all universities are alike. 
And so the courses and programs that you're taking at one institution may be the same, but something different um, in ways, in terms of curriculum at a different institution. And so you need to be aware uh, when you're looking at the qualifications for roles to understand, well, uh, it says I have to have statistics, but I've had three 400 level math uh, courses that should qualify as well. And so if you're doing that research, you know then to be able to highlight it. And so you heard me talk about putting the bottom line up front. Um, I usually tell folks on the resumes to put um, the specific skills identifiers that are necessary for a role that you're applying for at the very top of the resume. Most think about your resume, uh, and and I don't want to I don't want to put anybody on the spot. But um, how many of you, and you don't have to raise your hand, how many of you have your skills listed on, at the very end of your resume um, on the bottom of the second page if you're using a two pager? And for the roles, especially for engineers that you're applying for, there are very specific skills that you must possess to apply for these jobs. Why not list those at the very top? Now, most systems, ATS systems, will go through and identify certain skills, but a lot of times recruiters are, are eyeballing, you know, these resumes. We're, look, we're looking for the unicorn, you know, the ones that the system did not pull out for us. And if, if you put those things at the very top, they instantly catch my eye. And so remember, I told you the goal is to start reading the book at the front and get all the way to the back page. And so if I see what I'm looking for at the very beginning of your resume, it's gonna cause me now to continue to go through to make sure that I'm finding that diamond in the rough that we're looking for to be able to meet the hiring manager's needs. Ooh, a lot of good information, good nuggets there. And so I wanna pull the thread a little bit when we talk a little bit about the various, um, depending on the industry organization, uh, you on average is recommended one to two pages. Uh, Tina said that she would take a resume up to 15 pages and uh, add, I think, maybe five, three to five. Um, so rule of thumb, I've always heard that you should tailor your resume according to each job that you apply. So that takes a little work, right? Um, so can you talk a little bit about the importance of doing that making and how often you should update your resume? You want to make sure that it's current, it's relevant, there's no outdated uh, language, if you will. So if you can talk a little bit about how often you should update your resume, the importance of tailoring your resume to each job that you apply for. And I'll start with Edward. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, my recommendation of writing five pages is so that you can tailor down to three because I, I'll be honest, when you've got a hundred resumes in front of you, you get beyond three pages, I'm not going to read two of those pages if it's a five-page resume. So I, I am looking for the, the specialization. If you're an engineer and you chose to specialize, like I was aerospace engineer and I specialized in <laughs> propulsion and on astrodynamics. Uh, all of that was up front and in, in detail uh, in, in my resume, and, and I look for, for similar strategies. Um, in, in addition, as uh, Mr. Ramsey said, write in the language of your degree. Um, you know, my, my daughter's a, a paramedic and she's 
applying to, to start teaching that in a couple of different schools. And she was like, Dad, I just need to list all my certifications and credentials. That should be enough. I'm like, no, you need to be talking in detail about uh, you know, criticality of airway and uh, management and cardiovascular this and cardiovascular that uh, in uh, trauma treatment and just getting to those details so that the hiring manager has a better idea of the depth of you know, the skills that you were taught and your focus uh, in the technical arena. So the tailoring to the to the position is, is very critical, um, you know. And if you have, you know, higher uh, degree aspirations, I I tell people to put those on there as well. If your objective is, you know, you're coming in with a bachelor's and your objective is a master's and a PhD, show that in the resume because within the federal government. We have avenues for paying for those advanced degrees. It, it, it really speaks to the uh, amount of self-initiative that you have and your, your pursuit of excellence. And I also think that that also that applies to if you are applying for a position internally. Mm -hmm. Sometimes there is a perception that if I want to go after a job for within the company that I'm currently working for, I may not have to do too much. Yeah. Usually there's a job board or um, a dashboard where you can, you know, submit your profile and folks think that may be good enough. But right. even with internal jobs, you still have to tailor for that position. And I recommend people update the resume at least every two years. As a senior executive, we're required to update hours annually in the Air Force, but a minimum of every two years once you get out in, in industry. So um, USA Jobs for the federal government, you could put five different documents into it. That's why one or two pages, fine. 15 pages, fine. Five pages, fine. The benefit of that, everyone, you put five, diff three different documents, you got three different people with a different answer. Yeah. We can pull and say, okay, I want just a one or two pager. Oh, I want the 15, oh, I want the five pager. So it's not an either or, it's an and. Second, definitely need to update your resume. Um, I update my resume um, every two or three months, mostly because I get more work as some of my employees in this room understand. I literally just, I, 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 it just automatically happens to me. I'm like, okay, I've got to give a lot of talks. And so I'm like, I got to go back and update our resume. Um, so your skill set, you want to make sure you put in front of me for me to make the decision or hiring manager, not you. Another item, you apply to a position, you don't get it. How many people contact that hiring manager to say, what do I need to add? Mm -hmm. That's great information that um, I used. I don't mind saying, she was mentioning about um, internally. Um, there was one time I applied eight different times, different positions, but it was the same position on eight different units. 
and I talked to that hiring manager, which was a senior executive, three or four times, three different people, four people, and I said, what do I need to put into my document, my resume, my application for my resume to reach to the top? So please call that person and say, what, are you, what am I missing? What am I looking for? Can you give me some advice on how to enhance my resume? That will benefit you. Last thing I'll say about your resume is, uh, for those who know about a thesaurus, use it. <laughs> yeah. uh, I, I'm, I, all I say, people, is yes, we do look for the key words, but the key word, if it's used five, six, seven times, becomes, oh. The reason that it's a source, and it is not a dictionary, it helps you look at how you can be creative with the process. He was mentioning about his daughter who, who uh, was getting a medical degree, or I'm sorry, medical certification. It's interesting about some of the training you may get for a certification can be beneficial for something else. Okay, I said I have a forestry degree. When I started with the Forest Service with that forestry degree, I had this job as dealing with firefighting. Now I will say, no, I was not going to be a firefighter. I was managing them. What does that help? Helps with logistics. Helps with people management. Ooh. Helps with communication. I then was able to list all those skills that I obtained my first two years that was not just dealing with forestry. And every unit, I've been on 19 different places. Every unit, first thing I request is a dictionary, a thesaurus, and a manual. Because I know I'm going to be applying for that next job, even though I love the job I have, and I want to be able to update my resume with that information. So utilize different tools to put your best foot forward. George? All right. So I want to make sure everybody knows that um, So they're, they're government representatives at the table here and corporate. Uh, and what I mean by that is um, government resumes are totally different than what you'll submit for a role um, in, in another industry, nonprofit, um, corporate sector, and so on. And so when they talk about certainly the, the five-page or more resumes, those are industry-specific for government roles. Um, and so uh, I don't want anybody to be confused and think that for, for if they're going to apply for a job at Micron, um, you need to send Susan um, your 15-page resume because <laughs> um, she's not going to do it. But um, here's the thing. Um, when you're applying for jobs, know the industry that you're applying for the role in. College or higher ed resumes are much different than um, resumes for um, corporate and government sector or uh, nonprofit sector roles. Government resumes are much different. And so understand and know the industry that you're applying for so that you can have that resume for that. Every person in this room who is looking for a job that is doing a resume should have at least once in their life, and if you haven't, should do that as soon as you leave here, and that is pay a resume service to build a resume for you. Absolutely. Make an investment in yourself so that you can have a professional to build the resume for you. One of the things that I always ask people um, for when they ask me if I'll review their resume is to send me a job description of at least two positions that you would use this resume to apply for a job for. Because what I'm looking for is whether or not the resume that they're using fits the roles that they're looking for and are interested in. And if not, then we know where to begin to tailor the resume. You should have at least one resume saved on your phone. 
you should, um, and it could be either saved in your phone or it could be, I, look, I've emailed myself a copy of my resume on, uh, on LinkedIn and um, have it in my inbox, just in case someone says, hey, you know, can you send me a resume? That one resume is probably going to be the most generic thing, um, but it will showcase all the things that you've been able to do up to that point. But that is your, hey, send me your resume right now, uh, and I'm going to see if I can get it in the hand of someone. Because when you apply for the job, you'll be able to update the resume um, specifically to the job um, description um, for that role. But those are the kinds of things that you certainly want to be thinking about as you um, start um, preparing um, your key to the door. Because remember, the resume is not going to get you the job. You still have to do the interview. The resume is going to get you in the door and lead you um, to the screening with the recruiter, um, the first set of interviews with likely uh, either the hiring manager um, or members of the team, and then ultimately getting you to the, to the levels that you're going to need to, um, to be able to do that. And each one of those, those folks are going to engage you in each level of that contact. They're going to review that resume. And so if it meets what you need to meet to get through the screener, who is the recruiter, then they're going to push it forward to the hiring manager who will say, yes, let's set them up for an interview. But that resume is just the key to the door. And making sure that it's tailored specifically to that company, to that job description, for, for that specific role is going to be uh, the best way for you to be able to do that. And George, if I can also add to that, your resume is your brand. So taking the time to invest in a professional writer, not only is that person going to help you with your resume, but they will help you with creating a biography, mm -hmm. creating your LinkedIn. You want to make sure that your LinkedIn is very current. It matches up to your resume. Yeah. I can't tell you the number of times I've received resumes and you go out to the LinkedIn and it is completely outdated. So that person that you um, choose to work with, they're going to interview you. They're going to want to know about your background. What are some of your career aspirations? And when earlier in the session, when we were talking about research, Utilizing LinkedIn to do your research more than just looking for company information. If you know the company that you're interested in, do a search to find out who has the role that you're looking to apply for. I've reached out to so many people and said, hey, I would love to do an informational interview. My name is Donna. I'm interested in blah, blah, blah. Over 70% of responses said yes. Scheduled a 15-minute virtual coffee, got enough information, and they were kind enough to even review my resume. So utilize all of those touch points to make sure that your resume is appropriate to the company in the industry that you're applying for. So what I want to do is shift gears a little bit, and I'm going to look at George because we were preparing for this um, panel discussion, and we were talking about authenticity. And I'm looking at the gentleman with the beautiful uh, dreads from the last session. So we know that, obviously, there's a structure in terms of your resume, different of, um, um, depending on the industry. But I want to talk a little bit about authenticity. 
how do you make sure that you are showing up as your whole self and it's being expressed on your resume? So is it appropriate, George, to include some affiliations of organizations that you belong to, fraternity sororities? I know that Shona mentioned Alpha Kappa Alpha, but I have to mention Delta Sigma Theta. So I'm hoping there's some sores here in the um, in the audience. But is can you? Because there's some there's some different perceptions on if you should include those organizations. Let's be real; there are some biases with recruiters, with hiring managers. So you want to make sure that, yes, you get your foot in the door, but you want to make sure that you're bringing yourself and you're representing who you are and, um, and what you're about. George? Yeah, um, and um, shout out to, um, to the alphas. I'm an alpha, so. <laughs> But um, yeah, we had a heated discussion. We did, we did. <laughs> about this. And my position was that um, I don't use my fraternity affiliation on my resume. I don't. And the reason for that is, um, so companies like Micron use um, systems like um, Eightfold, um, which are designed to be able to um, root out bias in um, Resume or resume viewing and talent selection. And so a lot of times when you use certain non-professional organizations, uh, because fraternities and sororities are social organizations, but when you don't use organizations like the Association of Talent Development or SHRM um, as a way of being able to show your affiliations, what you do is you now enhance um, the opportunity for those biases to, to exist within the selection process. And so I always tell folks, um, if it has nothing to do with the job that you're applying for, and it's not industry specific and ties into the work or the, um, the work that you're doing professionally, don't put it on. The reason, and, and if we really want to get real, the reason we put our fraternities and sororities and some of our other more specific affiliations on there is because we, we're hoping that there's a hiring manager that might be in the divine nine and we want to get their attention, right? <laughs> If you do your homework, it works That's for you. the reason we're doing it. But if you do your homework, what happens is you're not only applying for the job online, but you're also looking for internal connections that you can make who may be in the same organizations that you're in who can get you into, uh, beyond just the recruiter or to the recruiter. Uh, and so um, that's, that, that's my personal, um, certainly, philosophy on doing it. I can tell you, uh, and, and Susan's here, she's on our team, um, whether or not you're a member of a um, fraternity or other um, specific um, uh, local organizations that don't have anything to do with the role won't do anything um, to uh, advance your case if you don't have the skills and qualifiers that we're looking for for the role. Your affiliations only help you and make you feel good. Uh, it won't help me in making my final determination. Now, I may look if I see somebody's an alpha, you know, and, and wonder. But if, if uh, even if the brother doesn't have, um, and I mean fraternity brother, doesn't have those skills and qualifiers, it's going to be very hard to convince the rest of the team to um, to move them through a process if they're not qualified for the role. Okay. All right, uh, we'll have to take that up. Tina, I'd love to hear what you have to so say. So I would totally agree, in, in particular for the federal government, it won't 
it won't go anywhere except for that next level. So the key part, as George stated, is the resume is your first foot in the door. And you want to get past that first foot so that when you get to the interview process as well as the reference check process. So for the federal government, the affiliations won't, again, HR won't even look at that. Now, I will say it is beneficial for community engagement. So okay. that's why I separate affiliation of, first of all, I'm not a member of, of the sorority fraternity. It's like, okay, I knew they were there in, in college. But community engagement, that is key because that helps put that information out there about what you're doing besides what your job yes. skills may be. Big time. And people sometimes overlook that part, so I just want to state that. Last thing regarding how you want to make sure your resume is, yes, please put, I have had LinkedIn of that resume doesn't match what's in LinkedIn. <laughs> I don't know why. As well as the, the tools, the software tools that are available for you to put your best foot forward is, use the, is there to use them. Because that then puts the information on the electronic writing. That's why I say writing is key. Whether you get somebody to review your document or write it for you. But the next one is, how do you interview? I do more after the resume of interview than anything else because that really helps you, first of all, understand how do I address what the issues of the day are that that organization is dealing with, whether it's in writing in a resume or it's verbally. It's both of those that are going to be key to success. Absolutely. Uh, thank you, Tina. And I would have to say that, you know, most fraternities and sororities do tie in that community engagement, which is very key to really kind of showcase your leadership skills and community involvement. Yeah, um, and, 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 and can I add to that? Yep. Again, it goes back to the job description. If that job description says you need to um, be engaged in or have experience working in, in communities, if, the, if you know that the role that you're applying for is going to have direct engagement with um, certain types of um, organizations or uh, exterior organizations to, and even sometimes internal, then um, there are ways to say I'm an alpha without saying I'm an alpha. Um, there are ways to, for example, um, say that I serve as the chair of our regional um, college to corporate life um, initiative, which is focused on helping um, black males um, to, um, to gain internships within the corporate sector without saying that I do that uh, as a member of Alpha Phi Alpha, because I'm now showcasing the experience that I have you, um, as a volunteer in a role that, um, that ties directly into the work that I do um, a, as, a, as a senior manager leading a team of diversity recruiters who are solely engaged on hiring interns. Uh, and so, you know, you have to really, um, you know, look at it. And that's why it's good if you're doing your own resume and you're not um, someone who has been trained and, and certainly certified to be able to really dig deep and help you to pull those things out. You need to invest in yourself because someone who knows how to do that will will ask you. They'll have a they'll have a template, and it'll ask you to list every every role that you've ever um, served in a leadership capacity or every role that you've ever done volunteer work in, and you'll be able to put those things in there. And that resume builder will be able to help you to be able to pull those skills out. And there are ways for you to be able to showcase that on your resume that are not direct work experience, but other other work experience um, to be able to showcase your talents. Great, thank you so much. Really good conversation. Um, I want to bring Ed into the conversation with this question here. How can I showcase skills that are relevant for a job as a new college graduate? Hmm. 
Yeah, that's a that's a great question. Um, you know, that, that goes back to, as I think we've enumerated multiple times, know your audience as you're preparing for the resume. Um, for most engineering degrees, you are uh, required to declare some sort of specialization in your mm -hmm. 300 and 400 level courses, uh, graduate courses, if you took, take those as, as well. Um, it's important to bring those out in, in your narrative uh, about uh, the, the job you're seeking, your aspirations uh, in, in the uh, company or within the, the federal government uh, of the, the job that you are seeking. Um, you know, the investment in writing uh, a resume is important also because it ensures that your, your resume is, is written at a college level. I, I, I will tell you, you get a resume that's written at the eighth grade level and, you, and it causes me to pause and think, is this really an engineer that's, that's asking me to hire them? I, I know because they took technical writing and, and uh, you know, are required to communicate with their professors and with their, you know, their peers at, at that, you know, college level. You know, my expectations are they bring that to the game. Uh, you know, engineers are, are expected to, to document, to communicate at a, a highly technical level. So punctuation is important. Grammar is extremely important in all that that we do. Capitalization drives me crazy when, <laughs> when people. I mean, we could go ten minutes on that. That's your pet peeve. Okay, guys. so I'm, I'm gonna touch that pet peeve because I'm with with Ed. Um, again, is Microsoft all the different software? Is please, please, spell check. Yeah. Uh, even capitalization of Microsoft. Um, a couple of things that on the question dealing with uh, someone who's just to graduate, I want to put out there, and it was mentioned earlier. If you have not obtained work experience, whether it's volunteer, internships, yeah. before you graduate, whew. I met a young lady last November, I was at a conference, and she says, I graduate in a month. I'm like, oh, great. She says, but I have not had any internships. Like, oh. You're at college. You should get trained in the experience that you want to get into, whether it's on campus, whether it's off campus, whether it's with a company, an agency. So that way you enhance your resume for that job you're looking to get. Um, and then some people say, well, okay, I understand about paid. There are internships that are not paid to federal government. We're now trying to get all of our internships paid. Volunteerism, again, get that experience. That's what we're looking for, is someone who can come to help us, assist us in what we are doing. And yeah, we want to pay for your training if we need to, but we really want somebody who says, I have already moved on obtaining training to be for success. Again, that's one of the success factors beyond performance, beyond just saying, here's what I can do as an engineer. Um, but yes, definitely want somebody when you're coming out, uh, graduating, that you want to put your best foot forward. So go to conferences like this to learn not only about how to write your resume, but talk to other people about, okay, can you look at my resume? I have looked at resumes at career fairs, and I've helped people at the career fair. And so that's an opportunity for you to put your best foot forward where you are. Awesome, George. All right, so the resume calls for teamwork, team building, uh, must be able to adapt to change, 
uh, attention to detail. And so think about that. How many athletes are in the room? Any college athletes in here? No college athletes? Oh, I see a few. Okay, I, they're going up slow, but they're going up. <laughs> um, and so think about it. Uh, if, the, if the skill is um, for you to have teamwork, um, and you play sports in college, um, there you've already exhibited that skill. If you're a team captain, you've exhibited leadership skills. If you're the president, co-chair, or um, chair a committee uh, within one of your um, school associations or, uh, or groups that you're affiliated with, you've now exhibited leadership. Uh, and so the, the key is for you to be able to look at what is it that I'm doing on my campus that will help to ensure that I have the soft skills that, are, um, that will meet the qualifications for this job that I can now list on my resume. And so we all, uh, in many ways, possess almost every skill for every job we're applying for. Um, we just sometimes equate that skill to um, direct work and not the other things that we're doing to be able to demonstrate that um, if the job says we're looking for someone who's very punctual, well, I show up to class every single day on time, and usually I'm the first person there. So I would say that I'm very punctual. Uh, and, uh, and so there are ways to certainly demonstrate that um, on your resume. And, you know, the question was about authenticity uh, before. You know, the best way to be authentic in writing a resume is to tell the truth and not lie. Uh, and so if you're doing the work, whether it's the actual work or you're doing, um, per, um, doing the work within um, organizations or affiliations, then you're actually doing it. And so it's, you can use that. It doesn't, um, doesn't say that you have to have leadership roles within um, your, uh, in your um, current work. I mean, if you're a college student getting ready to graduate, many of you probably aren't managing a shift or managing a group or leading a group in some, in some ways, but you are playing on a sports team and so that means that you have some leadership uh, acumen to be able to showcase what your skills are and your talents are. Uh, and again, I'm going to go back to you don't have to necessarily pay for someone to do the resume. You just need to have someone who um, does resumes, who is willing to help you to be able to pull out the things that you need to as a new college graduate. Um, Susan on our team. Every day is engaged um, in, um, in, in the, the search for new college grads to be able to come and work, uh, work for Micron. And many of the things that we're looking for are, hey, um, first, <laughs> do they have a background in engineering? Uh, and if they have the background in engineering, do they have the skills that, that will help qualify them for the job? Uh, the other thing is, and I, because I see some um, folks in uniform in here today, um, the same applies certainly for um, for our um, um, those who are serving in the military. You know, you're doing things um, far beyond what the scope of certain skills are every single day. Um, I'm more I'm looking for what those are than I am for the medals that you've received in service. And so, you know, those are the things that, um, that we lead veterans to showcasing in their resume more so than what medals they've achieved uh, and what schools they've attended, unless that school is specific to 
the uh, the role. Now, if you're going to work in, in an industry where you're taming lions, I do want to know that you 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 you're brave enough to be able to walk into a lion's den. Um, you know, but um, more specifically, what are the skills that you're that you're doing that you may not be aware that you're doing, and how can you showcase those? Yeah. Awesome. I just have one more question before we open it up to our audience, if that's okay. So can you talk a little bit about how, if you are in, the, in transition, whether voluntarily or involuntary, or you, are, um, you decide to do a gap year, how do you position that on your resume? How do you address the gap? And if you are in transition, is there something that you can do to gain experience in your field while you're in, while you're um, onto your next role? Yeah. So if I'm building your resume for you, and you have gaps in your employment um, under your work history, I'm listing your work experience. I'm not listing your gaps. On another section of your resume, I'm going to list other other work experiences, and I may list. I will most likely list, you know, the, those periods in there, for uh, for because if a recruiter really wants to know, and they're really um, um, interested in you, you're, you're not going to not get the the opportunity to be able to interview because um, you know the six months that uh, that you had off um, for this time unless you got fired for a job but if a recruiter really wants to know they're going to ask you hey George can you explain to me the the six month gap that you had between your last two employers oh yeah that was six months I really wanted to focus on my dissertation so I took the time off to be able to do that um, if I'm building your resume I'm going to list that another experience and then I'm going to say you know, for this six-month gap, um, focused on um, completing my dissertation uh, in, in this and so on. Um, but if a recruiter really wants to know, they're going to ask. Now, for the government resumes, you're going to hear something totally different because you have to be more <laughs> in-depth to explaining those gaps um, within the work history section. To a point, I just wanted to make sure, identify there's a gap. Mm -hmm. I have read resumes and I've had people say, Oh, for a whole year, we don't know what this person did. Yeah, don't ignore it. Don't ignore it. It's like, okay, if you took, I had one resume I remember reading or application, and someone said, I just took time off for a whole year. Fine. But not putting out information makes me think, oh, what was that person doing? So just put it down. He's right. You have it in two different sections. I've, I've said, I'm like, I go back because in the federal government, you list, you know, the time period, and then in another section, you list what you did. And so it was a gap of a year, and I'm like, oh, and I read further, I'm like, that person just took the whole year off. Fine. Now, I would agree, some people will look and say, well, what was that person doing? But don't ignore it. And you don't have to put a lot more information on what you did for the year. That is you and what you put forth. So that's being the authentic person is put the right information, don't lie, in the resume. Absolutely. Thank you. Edward? Yeah, I, I agree with that. My, my experience, though, is that most people that take a year off after college, there is personal development activities going on, personal growth activities, whether they're doing mission, whether they're doing outreach, community service, community leadership. Don't shy away from putting that on the resume as what you were doing in that year. 
um, because that there's value in those soft skills that you derive from that. So it's important that people understand why the gaps are there. Um, you know, if you had to go home and take care of your mama, mama comes first. I mean, that's, that's important stuff too. And, you know, life gets in the way sometimes. Mm -hmm. it's, all, it's all right to put that on your resume. And I actually had someone put, I took care of my mom. Yeah. And I am totally, yeah. that's life. Awesome. Well, thank you so much. And so now we'll open it up for some Q&A. Please come to the mic um, with any questions that you may have. Would love for you just to state your name and the company that you are with. I don't think I have a runner in this session, but. All right, hello, I'm Shamari Zachary. I run the P-TECH program. Um, I actually have high school students here. So my question, um, and these students actually earn an associate's degree. It's an early college model um, in cybersecurity and computer information systems. So my question is, what message would you give to them? We actually have two students, I don't know if they want to show their ha hands, that just passed the Network Plus exam. Nice. Um, So what message would you give to them to stand out as we know that college students will be applying, um, other people will be applying, what would you say to them? How can they craft their resume to make sure that they get their foot in the door? Yeah, so f first of all, and I'll speak for the Air Force, we want as many of those students as we can get. <laughs> That they are, you know, the building of that pipeline, and and we'll pay for their undergraduate degree and, and the additional certifications, all the way up to a PhD. Wow. So I mean, just you need to put all that on the resume and focus on your aspirations. Why did you seek to get those credentials? What is it that you're you're trying to do with your, yourself as you move into higher uh, education? Um, Again, we have programs to fund and have them work the entire time that, that they're uh, in, working on their degree, so. So I will uh, articulate the same as well as, can I get your card? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah we're not competing, everyone. We really aren't, to a point. We, we basically want to make sure that you are successful in where you are, and we all need employees. Um, regarding, yes, the federal government, we can pay for you to get, I want to get your, your PhD, your postdoc, it's, it, but you have to have your foot in the door. So the, the reason I want your card is more or less, there are programs that USDA and the other agencies that we fund you if you go to a particular school. That's the key part is, ooh, where are those? Okay, we're, we're trying to organize that in OPM, but that's what I'm getting to is, you can go to a particular school, if you're African-American, you go to a historically black college, not all of them, like Howard here, he's not, but there are schools in the South that you can go, actually in the North too, in Delaware State, that we can fund you to go get a degree, whether it's bachelor's, master's, or PhD, and it's in the federal government. And I would say it benefits the Air Force and it benefits the Forest Service, whether we, you start here and you go there, because it's all still the federal government. But that, to me, is putting on the resume of your interest the school, as well as with the degree program and the experience of these young people are getting certified in high school. That's just great. That's awesome. Yeah, what I, what I would tell you is that there are programs or companies out there that have specialized programs looking for um, folks with your talent. And so your, your thing is really to um, identify the keywords 
that are necessary to be able to find those specific programs that will um, create a gateway for students like um, yourselves who are coming directly out of high school but already have um, certain um, either credentials to be able to qualify to get into um, the corporate sector, the government sector, uh, and so on. And so identifying those is, is, is much easier than it is a challenge to be able to do so. But it, then it comes back to, again, um, you know, looking at the resume, you know, how are you showcasing what the students are doing so that they don't just look like high school students? Right. Who have, who have done a dual enrollment program, but more or less look like college students who um, are in an associate's degree program and have obtained the skills that are necessary. Because there, there are a lot of hiring managers, um, unfortunately, um, who will likely not want to hire a, a, an 18-year-old to come in and do some of the technical work that's being done there. And those are some of the biases that exist, right? And so your goal is to remove those biases. Um, because if you say that they're a high school student who completed a dual enrollment program, then you just told everyone involved that these are high school students. Uh, and so um, those are, the, when it comes to building resumes, your goal is to, is to work to be able to remove all of the biases that may limit your ability to be able to get your foot in the door. Thank you. Thank you. You're welcome. Awesome. Thank you. Good afternoon. Thank you. I do have a question related to uh, middle level in my career. There are other career people who are in the middle of the road. I have 20 years of experience worth on my resume, but my question is, how granular do you need to be on your resume if you're in the middle of the road? For my, exa for my example, I'm in IT. I work on a lot of teams. I work with a lot of different softwares, programs, you know, databasing. How granular do we have to be? Could I write a book on that? Uh, it may be more than 15 pages for you. But with 20 years worth of experience, how do I do I make this a six-point font? How do I get all of that in there? Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. Question. Do I put it in a paragraph form? Do I put it in a story form? Do I put it in a picture form to get all that experience in there? Please help me out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and, and that's a that's a good question. Yeah. And, and I know that you're going to. I'll, I'll pause for you to. And so the, the, the quick answer to that is it's going to come down to um, what technical skills do you possess that um, will um, match with the job and what you're looking for. Uh, and um, because at the end of the day, it doesn't matter if you've got 20 years of experience in a field. Many times, um, if, if you've been in a field for so long and you don't do anything new to update um, you know, your skills, then guess what? An, an MBA that you got 15 years ago doesn't match an MBA that you get in 2022 or 2023 because training changes, curriculum changes. Those skills have evolved beyond what you have, uh, what you were doing 12 years ago. So, are you are your current your skills currently relevant to the work that's needed? And what I would do, particularly what I've seen for folks in IT, you know, we're we're in the IT business, um, is 
many folks on a lot of the resumes I've seen just show all the systems that they work with and the skills uh, and the, uh, the credentials that they have uh, and that's what they list. Very little about specific things other than key things that match the job description within, within the work experience portion. But hey, I'm looking for someone with this skill. Do they possess the skill? Yes, they do. And boom, uh, we can move further from there. Um, and so there are ways certainly to be able to do that and show that you've stayed current and relevant over that 12-year period. So I would agree, um, and I would put it this way. I have seen people who have 20 years experience, and all they said is I got 20 years experience. It's more of what you did with that those 20 years, if it was four or five different jobs. Second, write the resume tailored to the job. So if you're applying for an IT position, I agree. Put all of those software systems down. Now I will say I, I gave that to the IT people. I'm like, okay, I have no idea what all these different... Then I had a position that was a leader for the IT program. And that person still put all of those software down. I'm like, that's not going to help me. I need to know what is your leadership skills of people and systems. And I read a different resume, and it hit all the marks of leadership, teamwork, supervision, systems, people management. I'm like, that's what I'm looking for. Because it was the supervisor of the whole information office in the Forest Service. And one re resume had 15, 20 different softwares. I'm like, I don't need you to run that. I need you to manage the people who run that. So that's why you tailor it towards the work, not, you, not the 20 years. It's what you did with those 20 years of experience. Great, thank you. Next question. Hi, my name is William Shepard. I just graduated Georgia Tech a few weeks ago. Awesome. Um, my question is. Congratulations. Thank you. So my question is, how can engineers effectively communicate their soft skills, such as communication, problem solving, and critical thinking on their resume? Yeah, that, that's a great question. Um, of course, it starts with the level at which you write the resume that I touched on earlier, uh, the ability to, to communicate, um, you know, the soft skills of leadership. Uh, Taking leadership courses, whether they're continuing education units or their, their core curriculum, those are important as well. Um, it, it, it's really unfortunate to see how much leadership is overlooked as a basic core uh, training or educational uh, aspect of it. Um, Demonstrating your ability to lead, whether it is leading in a laboratory environment, you know, your capstone projects, um, leading in you know, the volunteering that you're doing at, at, you know, out in the community. You know, just being able to frame that from the leadership skills, the soft skills uh, that, that they are. Um, they are highly valued as, as I look at a resume, as, as my uh, other senior leadership look at resumes as well. Um, so that was two of the tenets. I, what was the third one? I'm sorry. I, I, I should have written it down. You nailed it. Okay. Yeah, right. appreciate it. So a couple of things on that. I would just say, everyone, even though I know it's been used a couple of times, human resources and people who deal with people, I'll say it that way, they don't call it soft skills. And the reason is because what you just said is the key parts. We all go get degrees, not all. Many people go get degrees. You learn the technical side, whether it's engineering, information technology, island forestry. 
It's managing the people. So in leadership classes that I've attended, we talk about you get trained when you initially get in college and out of college, it's on the technical side, to do your job and do it well. And you need to learn that to get your foot to the door. It's what happens after that. And there's some people, that's all they want to do. That's great. I wanted to be a leader, which meant I took more supervision and communication and training on how to lead people, systems. Organization, systems, and structure. That's what I deal with. Yeah, I have not done forestry in 35 years. Because I realized I got to take care of the people, people internally and externally. So it's more of how do you enhance that? You can get trained on it, whether you take courses on it. You can end it in college. More and more universities have this ability for you to actually go in other locations and get this training, whether they have it on campus, or you go to a conference, or you go to a meeting to get that type of training. I will also say communicating in front of others. You standing right there to ask your question took some initiative. That's important. Because we all know we have to talk to other people. Mm -hmm. So that's the skill set we're looking for in leaders. That technical, that help get your foot in the door, but it's the other aspects that would keep your foot in the door. Awesome. George? So I'm going to get extreme here. Um, <laughs> but um, I can't recall a, a job posting that we've posted where we um, asked um, specifically for someone to be a problem solver. Um, and, and even more so, unless it's a management role, we haven't asked for um, folks to um, have leadership or uh, management skills unless it's a leadership role. And so, again, you got to go back to the job description. So, um, those skills are great. I would assume, as an engineer, you've solved a many a problem in your day. Um, a good hiring manager and certainly an, um, a good recruiter will be able to decipher um, all of that and cut through to be able to find out whether or not you simply have the skills that you need to do this job and what the hiring manager is looking for. Um, and, and I don't want to put Susan on the spot, but Susan's one of our recruiters here. And if, if, if I were to ask Susan to tell you what she looks for when she's looking for, looking for a job, you know, I, I'm sure she would tell you that. Um, I've not had a, man, a, prob, a hiring manager say, hey, I'm looking for somebody who can solve problems, who's a problem solver. Okay? And so those, um, the, the key here is to, make, is to ensure that we're keeping the main thing the main thing when it comes to applying for jobs and building the resume to get in the door. Now, when you do the interview, I may ask you a question or two about how, tell me a time where you had to solve a problem within um, the work or the role that you've done. But on your resume, I'm less um, concerned about whether or not you're there. Now, that doesn't mean that in your um, skills area and competencies, you, um, you shouldn't list that you're a problem solver. You know, that's fine if you want to do that. But what I usually tell people to do is, um, and there was a gentleman in one of the earlier sessions that said he has a, he takes a highlighter out and he matches it with the job. I think it was you. And he looks through there and he finds all of the skills that are necessary, highlights them, and then says, okay, are these in my resume? Whatever those skills are that are listed in the job description, if you possess those, those now become the skills on your resume. Okay? Um, and if there are only 10 skills or five skills, those become the skills that are needed um, on your resume. And the only thing that you have to worry about focusing on. Okay. 
Does that, that answer your question? Yes, it does. Appreciate it. Thank you so much. Just in time, we have, this is our final question. Come on. Hello, my name is Alexis Martin. Thank you so much for your time today in this um, panel. I am an entrepreneur and a cybersecurity professional, um, and I wanted to know what um, resources do you recommend? You mentioned getting your resume um, professionally crafted. So what resources do you recommend for those services? Well, Alexis, we do have a, uh, just a, a plug here. We do have a resume lounge yes. here on um, here at the uh, conference. Um, I know that Micron uh, recruiters will be there. I think there will be some other companies that will take a look at your resume, give you some tips. But for professional writing, like for originally getting the resume yeah. crafted. Yeah, uh, res there, look, LinkedIn is a great resource, and there are yes. folks all over LinkedIn um, who are posting every day that they build resumes. What I would recommend you do is look at a couple. To to uh, and one key question, if you're gonna if you're gonna um, use a company to build a resume for you, um, ask them how many folks they've had helped get jobs, right? Because yeah. you don't want to spend money for somebody to do a resume for you and it doesn't get you in the door. But there are a number of companies on um, LinkedIn. If, if you connect with me on LinkedIn, heck, I'll, I'll, I'll share with you a couple that I've used personally. Uh, and so those resources are available. Um, you can also Google um, resume builders in your community and find people that are where you are who can be able to help you to do that. Uh, and, um, and just ensuring that you're making that quick investment in yourself to get you started. Now, you don't need that. You just need to do it one time, and then you should be able to take it from there to be able to do any other tailoring that you need to your resume after it's been done the first time. But okay. I, yeah, I will go to LinkedIn because I, my resume is on, on LinkedIn because I'm looking for people and I constantly get little emails. Ooh, we want to talk to you about your resume. I'm like, okay. So that's one avenue for the federal government. I just put in there. OPM has services on that big website for resume building. Okay. Okay. Thank you. I am looking into offering resume services through my brand. I've started doing that. Um, my brand is Graphics by Lex. So if anyone in here wants resume services, I'm willing to work with you on that. Awesome. And I'm definitely looking right. to grow my clientele. Right. Yes. So, Alexis. <laughs> so graphicsbylex.com, and y'all can use promo code Bea. All right. All right. Awesome. All right. Go ahead, well, Alexis. That's an entrepreneur there. <laughs> Thank you, everyone. That, that concludes our workshop. Please give our panelists a, a warm thank you. So much information.